The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I'll be your host for the hour. Today, we're going to be continuing our dialogue on fostering a happy work environment for greater success. This is kind of part two of our discussion with Valerie Shepard. And Valerie is a speaker, author, coach, and uh, host. So, Valerie, thank you so much for being on the phone today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be back. Yes, absolutely. For those who did not join us for part one, could we have you say a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a Sherpa of Happiness, helping people connect to their authentic source of happiness and take it wherever they go, especially to work. I have a corporate background. I've done uh, marketing, business strategy, and coaching and consulting for over 30 years now. I have an MBA from Syracuse University, and I live in Southern California, San Clemente. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you for joining us. And also on the line is our associate producer, Valerie Wright. Valerie, thank you. Hi. And we always invite Valerie to just join in the conversation wherever she would like to. So, Valerie, thank you so much for also being on the phone. we got two Valerie, so that might be confusing for everyone today. (laughs) Valerie, Valerie. Great. Um, To provide a little bit of context with regards to why we're even talking about this topic, um, Valerie... Shepard, would yes. you kind of make, <laughs> would you share with us a little bit about why um, employers should care whether or not employees are happy or not at work? Well, the thing about happiness is it can contribute to overall performance. So, long, long, long times for long, long times we've been taught that success leads to happiness. And there have been studies now, several of them, that tell us actually it's the opposite, that happy people, people who come to work happy or who go about their endeavors already happy, actually create greater success. So there have been studies that measure uh, a number of different endpoints, but they include things like salespeople who have an optimistic um, point of view are much more successful. Doctors who have an optimistic point of view or who are considered happy are much more accurate at their diagnoses. Um, so there are a number of different areas where it's been proven that happiness contributes or leads to greater success. So businesses obviously should be concerned about the happiness of their employees because it can control endpoints. It can contribute to corporate culture, 
communication, collaboration, innovation, and obviously profitability. Mm -hmm. So creating a culture of optimism and happiness is in everyone's best interest, from the global economy down to the local economy. All right. Well, I know we started in part one of our conversation going through eight tips that you have with regards to what employers can do to foster a happier work environment. I want to start back and go just briefly over the five that we covered previously, but want to cover them enough so those who didn't did not um, tune in or catch the first segment won't be lost in our discussion here on this on the second follow-up piece. And okay. then we'll go into the um, the ones that we did not have an opportunity to talk about in a little more depth. So to begin, let's uh, start with um, the uh, recommendation number one, which was put some heart into the environment. Valerie, let's see, have you say more about that. I am uh, quite a heady person, and I have a very powerful brain, and most of the business organizations with whom I've worked are very much focused on the head. And um, we we're, we're, tend to be completely analytical, logical, left-brain focused. We're doing analyses and projections, and we're trying to figure out how to create the results that we want and, and get stockholders happy. And the problem with that is that it leaves out in a powerful aspect of who we are as human beings, who we are as spiritual beings, and how we can bring that wisdom and knowledge into the workplace. Um, Albert Einstein is quoted as saying, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind is its faithful servant. We have created a society that worships the servant and has forgotten the gift. So we are a completely head-focused, somewhat black-and-white, analysis-oriented culture. And at the same time, our hearts or the, the intuitive mind have really powerful ability to help us and to guide us and to give us wisdom for making choices, and that's choices in life as well as choices in business. And so by allowing people to bring their hearts to the office, meaning allow them to engage both head and heart, which means their intuition, their gut feelings, and allow them to be more emotional beings, not just intellectual beings, can help the bottom line. Fabulous. So point number one, really at the root of it, is being able to integrate the head and the heart. Yes, you are so right. It's about balancing and being able to be more fulfilled at the office by being able to bring 100% of you and not just your intellect. People talk frequently about how they are afraid to share their feelings because if, you know, saying I don't know and feeling the fear that goes underneath that could cost them much um, uh, salience at the office. People won't trust them, won't believe that they're as as intelligent as they believe that they are. A number of different things happen when people show up and and aren't necessarily in confidence. But if we've got a group think going on and a team is trying to deal with a problem, nobody on the team feels comfortable sharing that they really are concerned or they're afraid. Heaven forbid anybody says, I am fearful. Mm -hmm. Um, If they are unable to really share the, the whole totality of how they're seeing the problem and therefore looking for the solution, there may be some awesome possibilities that are not even being tapped. Right. So suggestion number two, kind of go hand in hand and still talking about the environment, was cultivating an optimistic culture. Say a little bit more about that. I have been one of these managers who 
thought that um, cautious optimism or uh, what some people felt as pessimism, the reality of the situation was better to keep people focused and on purpose and grounded. But what studies have shown is that 90% of long-term human happiness relates to how we interpret our experiences. And when we tend to interpret our experiences from a positive perspective, then we have greater opportunity for positive outcomes. Mm -hmm. So what this means is leaders who try to find the positives in every situation. Almost every situation I've ever dealt with, whether in a business, a corporation, a nonprofit, or in my personal life, doesn't matter. There are always trade-offs. There's always kind of the silver lining in any really horrible situation or problem situation. When we can go to that place and pull up the positives as a part of looking at what went wrong or what is going wrong now, it helps us be more open to seeing the possibilities. So it doesn't mean that everyone's running around being Pollyanna like, oh, there's no problem. That's not what we're talking about. But what we're talking about is being able to find the positive in a difficult situation and start from there as we go to build the solutions. Okay, wonderful. And kind of going hand-in-hand hand with that is suggestion number three, resist making everything so serious. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the Institute for Heart Math talks <laughs> about being able to take the significance out of a situation. And significance sometimes breeds panic and fear, what I talked about before. Well, when we're in fear, if you, if you actually stop yourself and feel yourself in fear, you're probably going to feel a contraction. Many people talk about a contraction around their gut, a contraction around their chest area, their heart is constricted, blood's not flowing, oxygen is in the blood, the brain needs oxygen in order to be at its most powerful. So we're already, from a physiological perspective, in the midst of serious situations, inhibiting our ability to think quickly and to think with purpose and focus and determination. So that's just the physiological impact. The emotional impact can be the same thing. It's stress. So when everything in our situation is urgent, important, or mission critical, it tends to put us in a place of fight or flight, and we can only sustain fight or flight for so long before the body's systems start to shut down. If you look at studies on on the impact of long-term stress, they're very debilitating. That's not what we want when we're trying to increase our revenue, increase our profit, increase the stock price, increase... um, our ability to make a difference on the planet. Mm -hmm. So the idea is for leaders to be careful about how many times they push the team over and over and over again or consistently through long periods of time to be in emergency go mode. It's debilitating and it actually inhibits what they're trying to create, which is optimization of solutions. Great. And I really loved your framing, I think, when we were discussing and. in segment one with regards to just resisting the temptation of making everything urgent or important or, you know, mission critical and really helping staff to be able to prioritize realistically and, and establish realistic timelines. Absolutely. It's just, if you think about it in terms of a workout, right, so we go to the gym and we, we put on our workout clothes and we get out there and we kind of have a bell curve kind of an experience. We start kind of light and we're getting warmed up, and then we get into go mode, and we hit the top of the bell curve, and we're at our peak performance, and then we come down the backside of that bell curve, and we're cooling down and getting ready to move on. Well, if we stay at that peak performance level where we're pushing ourselves, pushing ourselves, pushing ourselves for too long, there can be really disastrous effects. So it's kind of the same thing. We, we as leaders, 
organizational leaders need to be vigilant about how many times they push the team to the max, especially over long periods of time. I, I believe that we all know that there are times when we have to have the pedal to the metal, so to speak. It's when that becomes the status quo, when, when every day is a mission-critical day and every project is a do-or-die or every situation is do-or-die, that's a problem. That's a problem. So what we need is leaders who are willing to relegate certain things to the not-important list, not urgent, not important. And that can be tough when there's pressure from even on the leader up, down, and across the organization to make more happen and to save jobs and to create income. However, it's the nature of the deal. We have to do some of the things that maybe are a little bit more difficult in order to get where we want to go in the long run, and that means leaders have to take care of, and I mean that word, take care of the team. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means taking things off of people's plate or readjusting the work to make it something that happens later in the timeline rather than sooner. Okay. Very good. Excellent. I think we are coming up on our uh, break, but I want to um, say we're going to pick up with your suggestion number four with key people in the now and then go into the other four suggestions that you had that we didn't get a chance to talk about in part two. So I'm going to ask everyone to stay with us, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Inspiring Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. 
or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about um, happiness in the workplace and really creating more of it. We have Valerie Shepard with us today, um, joining us again, going through some suggestions that employers can uh, take to heart to consider how they might go about fostering a happy work environment. Thank you, Valerie, for being with us. I'm glad to be here. Right. And then also on the line is our associate producer, Valerie Wright. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you, Dr. G. Mm-hmm. We want to continue this conversation, picking up with the fourth suggestion, keep people in the now. And Valerie Shepard, I want to hear you say a little bit more on that with regards to what does that mean and how does one go about doing that? Well, my experience in, in business is that we are either constantly focused on the past, so we're looking at what happened, what went well, what went wrong, um, where are we going to take things next, and into the future, which is what are the projections for tomorrow, what kinds of things are going on in the marketplace that we need to be aware of. And we spend a lot of time in both places and, and not necessarily being in the now. And what can happen, especially if we're dealing with difficult situations when we're in the business world, is we, we miss the opportunity to kind of look at right now and go, but it's okay. You know, we, are, we do have sales coming in. We do have a team that's focused on things. We do have um, stock price that's increasing. We do have membership that's increasing. Uh, we do have revenue. And so we're missing out on the moment because we're constantly focused on what might happen in the future or what we have to deal with that happened in the past. So companies need to be very careful about this focus. So if business results are off and leadership is changing, people have other reasons to feel stress on the job, we need to make sure that even in the moment we're characterizing things so that people aren't taken way out of, out of a, a safety zone. So can we keep people more focused on now instead of when the business turns around, when the recession is over, when we find the solution to the problem? All those things need to take place, too, but... If we're only focused on what might happen in the future, we're missing the opportunity to be more happy with what is going on right now. And in most companies that are in business and, and nonprofit organizations, there's a lot of powerful good that is happening right now. Yes. And mm-hmm. No, go on, Valley. Mm-hmm. In my experience as a leader in, in business, I would have to – force myself to make time whenever we had big team meetings or even small ones we made time at the front of the agenda to celebrate even the smallest accomplishment we need to take time and celebrate and recognize what is going on right here and now who's here and not just business things but even maybe personal things when we've got um uh, an opportunity to be in the present moment with what is happening and be able to bring some positivity and optimism into that, it can help us as we look out to the future mm-hmm. and and work to try and make things even better. Yes, you know, and that uh, takes me back and reminds me of Rick Warren's words with regards to at any given time in anyone's life. They say people used to say that we have peaks and valleys, and he said really it's more like going down a a train track, and you can kind of look out whichever window you choose, and there can always be things that are going on that are challenging and bad, and, you know, so those are the things that we have to manage and continue to work on, 
And at the same time, we have things that are going on that are great and wonderful, and those are the things that we want to be grateful for and uh, and really um, think about how might we leverage them. And so I think it's the gratefulness of the now, those things that we have to be grateful for, that I'm almost here coming through in, in your theme with regards to don't miss out on those opportunities to be grateful, and that gratefulness then can help us find that source or that sense of happiness. Mm-hmm. Yes, I totally agree mm-hmm. that there is an opportunity in every moment, if we are just present with that moment, to find mm-hmm. that happy, pl- happier place mm-hmm. that can sustain us, mm-hmm. especially as we look forward and, and have to deal with, with difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then um, the uh, fifth suggestion that I have here that you've offered is make your staff feel heard, seen, and regarded. Say a little bit more. Well, I see that oftentimes the leader is so focused on making the donuts, so to speak. And having been at the executive level, I know where that comes from. There is a pressure for us to perform and to demonstrate our leadership and to demonstrate our intellect and to demonstrate our capabilities over and over and over again. I I was in business and. I often heard we're only as valuable as our last success. And so, you know, that's a pretty stressful belief system if we're willing to, to take that on. And what it can create is uh, difficulty dealing with the day-to-day, really only looking for the major successes. So there are pressing deadlines, mountains of work. We want people to feel like they matter and that they matter um, as beings, not just as contributors to the bottom line. And so as leaders, we have a responsibility to engage our staff in a way that makes them feel like they are really a contributor and a valued asset as opposed to just a a tool Mm -hmm. or another resource to uh, use to create what we want from the business. So, for example, how we engage them, especially when we're stressed. So, If I'm a stressed leader and I know that I've got pressure coming down on me, if I'm not capable of managing that, it's going to trickle down. You know, I don't know too many people who don't know the stuff flows downhill kind of um, characterization of hierarchical leadership in organizations. And the idea is that we have to be careful how we engage. So if the environment is already stressful because it's a high-stakes situation going on, and how we engage, how we are receptive to the ideas that people bring, and how we um, talk to them about where we are with the situation and how we ask for more can really help them feel like an asset or feel like an, um, uh, just a tool. So uh, the positive impression that we give can be about objectively listening. So when someone is sharing a concern, often you know, I've worked with leaders who don't even make eye contact. Like, they're still looking at the stuff on their desk, which is a signal that says, whatever you're saying isn't as important as whatever I'm doing. So quickly get what you're saying done so I can get back to what I'm doing. That makes somebody on the other end of that feel like they don't count. Um, And and if I'm that person who doesn't count, I'm certainly going to have an emotional reaction to having to work harder through difficult times in order to make things better. Um, And sometimes we, we, we resist acknowledging people's efforts unless they've created a successful result. I know people in business who have created 
multi-million dollar failures and still been acknowledged for what they brought to the situation and what what can be gained from the failure. But I was just wanting you to emphasize the objectively listening because I think that's a critical piece before we move to the other two. Sure. So I think of objective listening as taking the personal bias out. So when someone comes into my office and what what are the biases that I have, preconceived notions? So number one, do I how do I feel about this person and their past performance? Am I in the past evaluating what they're saying or am I right here with them right now listening to hear what they're offering? Am I coming to their conversation with my own personal bias on how I think it should be done? So do I already have a preconceived notion about what the solution is? I sent them off to go find it. They come back with an idea, but since it's not my idea, I'm not interested in hearing it. So it's taking me out of the equation and giving the person my full attention and their, and a full opportunity to be heard 100% without little things coming in to take me off track or take me out of being open and available to them in the moment. Great. So is that truly listening for understanding? Yeah. Not evaluating, but just trying to understand. Exactly. Okay. I, I used to work at Procter & Gamble, and we used to talk about um, seeking first to understand. Mm-hmm. And so that means allowing someone to present their case and make sure I understand it before I go into evaluation and judgment mode. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. And I know I paused you as you were explaining and moving in to acknowledge their efforts regardless of impact. Yes. So Mm -hmm. there can be a tendency to only give credit when something's successful, but that's not really when credit is necessarily due. Credit is due on the attempt as far as I'm concerned. So a part of breeding a happiness culture is making sure that we look for lots of different ways and lots of different opportunities to acknowledge effort. Effort does require input from somebody, output from somebody. It does require them to engage their brain. It does require them to focus and contribute um, toward wherever we're headed. Okay, and And then a final thought on making a positive impression before we move to break. A final, a final thought on making a positive impression um, before we move to break. I think you had a third, a third one. Um, it's about honoring their uniqueness and allowing them to be authentic. So, mm-hmm. not having everybody be like me. They don't have to do the three-point conversation. It's not about them being a duplication or a mini representation of Valerie. It's about allowing them to communicate in the way that works best for them and to show up as as a hundred percent of who they are. Excellent. Wonderful. I think that is, uh, all those are very helpful, and I think that that's something that we can all do if we take the time to do it and to train ourselves and manage ourselves to really kind of listen, show that you uh, regard and acknowledge others as well as allow them, um, being those that we're engaging with, to come from their own authentic space. We're going to take another uh, short break, and then we'll be right back to hear the uh, last three tips and suggestions that you have on how to foster a happy work environment. Please stay with us. We'll be right back on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. 
Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back on Leadership Matters. Today we're discussing fostering happiness in the workplace. We're going to cover... The uh, last three suggestions that Valerie has shared with me and then Valerie Wright, our associate producer, will start into the questions that she's received. So, Valerie Shepard, yes. I want to pick up with your sixth suggestion, with the, which is create opportunities for giving. Let's say a little bit more. Yes. So in the giving equation, there's the giver, the receiver, and then often there's somebody observing the giving. So whether it's immediately right there or people who read about the giving or learn about the giving in some way, those are considered the observers. And what studies have shown is that everyone in that triad benefits from acts of compassion and kindness. There's this halo effect that helps boost the feeling of happiness within So in an organizational environment, the way this plays out is when leaders allow staff to be one of those three people, the giver, the receiver, and or the observer, then there's a halo effect that's happening within the organization. So the way this can happen from an organizational perspective is you can do a number of different things. I've worked in organizations who had major efforts to contribute to the United Way, like weeks and weeks long focus on what was going on at the United Way, who were the organizations that were supported, being able to pick the ones that you wanted, and everybody contributing. Um, But there are other ways. I've worked with organizations who allow staff to donate excess vacation or or sick leave to colleagues who need it, people who've had emergencies or have a baby coming or some kind of dynamic where they would benefit from more sick leave and, and other people who aren't using it. There are some companies who are able to do that. There are organizations that contribute to neighborhood activities from tree planting, tree planting to um, cleanups to adopt-a-family programs to working with 
the homeless, whatever way that the company can be a catalyst for its organizational staff to be a giver, a receiver, or an observer can contribute to the level of happiness they feel within the organization. Wonderful. And then we have create opportunities for more laughter. Mm, this is one of my favorites. I'm a certified Hatha Yoga instructor. Oh. Hatha Yoga is laughter yoga. Mm-hmm. And the data on laughter has been coming for decades. Um, the first maybe major study was a, a guy by the name of Norman Cousins who wrote a book called Anatomy of an Illness. And he was very sick. He had a debilitating and very painful disease. And he discovered that when he watched old Laurel and Hardy movies, comedy movies, this was back in the 60s, when he watched comedy for a certain amount of time, um, he slept better. He could get a couple of hours of uninterrupted, pain-free sleep. So he started capturing this stuff, and then over time, other people came in and have studied the impact of laughter. And it's been proven to lower stress hormones in the office place, enhance teamwork, diffuse conflict, and improve resilience, a number of different impacts that are really great for the workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I offer some neat suggestions, maybe start an impact, improv comedy club. You know, a lot of workplaces have softball teams and bowling teams, and maybe they can do something with laughter, an improv comedy club and host shows during lunch, maybe offer on-site laughter yoga classes, bring in a certified instructor and who can lead laughter yoga, uh, encourage joke exchanges before meetings. I don't particularly, I'm not a big proponent of jokes because uh, for two reasons. One is they um, activate the left brain, which is much more analytical and reasoning, and the best laughter-induced healing comes from laughter that isn't associated with the cognitive functions of the brain, the more organic laughter, which is what laughter yoga teaches. Um, And also some, you know, one man's um, pleasure is another man's poison. So some people Mm -hmm. might find one joke funny and other people might find it completely offensive. Okay, now I have to have you pause and say a little bit more about this laughter yoga. I have never heard of such. Oh, it's -hmm. it's amazing. It was founded about 15 years ago by a a medical doctor in Mumbai, India. His name is Madan Kataria. And he was discovering, uh, he was looking at and working with all the data out there on laughter and positive impact, the impact of positive psychology and positive feelings and optimism for his patients. And he decided that laughter stuff looked really good, and he created the first ever laughter yoga club. He and a bunch of people got together in a park one day, and they just, you know, they started telling jokes. And that worked over a period of a few days. And then after a while, all the jokes were gone. There were no more new jokes. People didn't have any new jokes. And some people were starting to leave the club because they didn't like some of the jokes that were being told. So he went away, and he and his wife, who's also a part of the organization, Laughter Yoga International, created um, a different version where it brings in a combination of pranayama breathing, which is yogic breathing, which increases oxygen going to the brain, which helps the brain be more productive. And there are a number of other functions that come from having more oxygen in your system. But it includes pranayama breathing. And then they started using childlike playfulness. So uh, going back into childhood kinds of things and playing games and, and while they were doing the yoga, and that created laughter. Mm. stimulated kind of organic laughter just by making eye contact and and doing silly things in this park, laughter happened. Okay. And 
So it was much more powerful because it didn't involve the cognition in the brain. It was just mm-hmm. fun experiences okay, um, right. that invoked childlike playfulness. Okay. And then this last uh, suggestion that we have here, suggestion number eight, was designate a happy zone. Just say a little bit more. And then, Valerie Wright, are you on the line? I'm on the line. And we'll dive into the questions after this. Okay. Great. So a happiness zone is uh, your little private space. So if you're not a leader, let's say you're on this call and you're listening going, well, I don't have control over my organization, and so I'm not really sure how I would make something, all these big things happen that leaders have to do. And But there's one thing that all of us can do, and that is create our own little physical space where happiness can happen for us. Okay, so we can encourage people to take some time out. You can have, in my office, I have colors that really are stimulating to me, I have pictures from happy times. that Those have been proven to carry their own energy so that if you have pictures that remind you of really great times in your life, that you're surrounding yourself with positive memory, which can instill optimism in you. Excellent. Um, mm-hmm. Music, activities that are more playful and kind of touch your inner child. There are a number of ways to create this in your own little space, and then you can end up carrying that energy with you wherever you are in the organization. Excellent. Okay, so with that, Valerie Wright, let's have you jump in with some questions. Okay, our first question comes from Malcolm in Philadelphia. It says, happiness in the workplace impacts many important factors such as motivation and performance. For example, if staff is not happy, then a company can lose valuable people who have already been trained. So how do you measure the happiness level of employees? How do you know if you have made a positive impact on that culture toward happiness and how do you sustain it? So I kind of got three questions in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Valerie. Hi, Malcolm. Thanks for the question. Mm-hmm. Measuring happiness, there are a number of different ways. A lot of the uh, uh, researchers in the positive psychology arena use a life satisfaction survey. So there are a number of questions there that ask, people to weigh in on how they're happy. I mean, the the bottom line question is you have to ask. It's not something that you do in hiding. You really have to get into people's hearts and minds and hear from them what's going on. And the questions are have been formulated over time that that get into the dynamics of happiness. So satisfaction with what your tasks are, satisfaction with where you're working. So there's all kinds of satisfaction measures in the life satisfaction study. And, mm-hmm. oh, and the second question, the mm-hmm. second aspect of what he asked. And how do you know if you've made a positive impact on the culture toward happiness and sustain it? And that would be, I, I think, going where Valerie just was. I mean, one mm-hmm. could certainly do a, a um, assessment, a survey, and then re- um, implement that survey later, or should say, um, I'm not thinking implement, but what would where it be? Yeah, I think Valerie? you kind of reissue the survey. Yeah, reissue on a, the on survey on a periodic basis. Yeah. So maybe what, at the outset you're doing something semi-annually, and maybe after that, once you get some baseline measures and and see some traction, you can measure on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole idea of how do we keep it going, how do we sustain mm-hmm. happiness? Well, it's measuring it the levels of happiness, and then responding. And interestingly enough, I think it's a combination of what might be out there from the research perspective and also allowing staff to have some say in their own destiny. 
So what is it that they want? Now, there are two dynamics going on here. I'm talking about both intrinsic and extrinsic happiness. As Sherpa of Happiness, my focus is on intrinsic happiness. Mm -hmm. And some of that companies won't necessarily be able to impact. People do have some personal responsibility in this dynamic. Um, And how, how, you know, if you've got an optimistic leader but everyone else wants to be pessimistic, that's not necessarily the leader's responsibility. But there are ways that the organization can be trained. so okay. extrinsic happiness has involved a number of different things from corporations who are doing child care and, and better lunches and um, environments where there's more downtime. And some companies even have nap rooms. I mean, it just depends on what works for the collection of people you have within your organization. Okay. But if we don't ever ask, right. we don't ever get the answer to yeah, see how we those, can shift things. Right. I think those are some great suggestions from Malcolm. Um, Valerie, did, did you have another question? Sure. We have a question from Taylor in Washington. Uh, Her question states, we know that the working environment affects happiness levels because it is where people spend most of their time. What are some basic elements that should be a part of the office aesthetics to support employees in experiencing a happier work environment? Mm, Nice. Great question. Mm -hmm. I tend to look at a couple of different areas. So, Color is a, colors carry their own um, energy, and brighter colors tend to instill brighter emotions. I mean, there, you get to the place where not everyone's going to want hot pink walls or furniture, mm-hmm. but there is a, certainly a zone of creation there where you can pick um, colors that instill more uh, positive emotions. So if your colorings are all beige, like, tones of gray, tones of navy blue, tones of black, those, those colors don't necessarily carry the happiness or lighter energies within them. So looking at colors for either furnitures, fabrics, um, uh, carpeting, whatever you can do to uplift the colors. And if you can't, if it's too much of an investment to change your upholstery and your, uh, the whole office structure kind of things, then maybe look at bringing in imagery for the office that can do that uplifting. So pictures that have more color in them. Mm -hmm. Um, Placement around the walls Mm -hmm. where where people can actually interact with them. Um, So live plants have been shown to increase optimism. They give the feeling of being in nature, and nature has an uplifting impact on people. So Mm -hmm. to the extent that you can bring some really nice plants into the organization. Um, Mm -hmm. Flowing water can often create the feeling of optimism. It, it connects us to the energy of movement and flow. Wonderful. And so, I think those are some great suggestions. Looks like we have to take another break. So please, uh, please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at innovisions.org. 
InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Thank you, and we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about fostering a work environment for greater success. I say fostering a happier work environment for greater success. And Valerie, you want to continue with the questions from the audience? Yes, I have a call uh, question from Tammy from California. It says, since happiness is not defined by external factors, can you please explain where happiness should come from and what a happy employee would look like or looks like? Oh, I love that question because it centers on exactly what I'm most concerned about or most um, joyful about is intrinsic happiness. And by that I mean that happiness, true happiness, authentic happiness, lasting happiness comes from within. And you can talk to just about anybody and they'll be able to tell you the points in their in their life where they were happy. And many times they're from external circumstances. When I got the raise, when I got promoted, when my kids graduated from college, when someone got married, when I had a kid, on and on and on and on. And the problem with happiness coming from those things is that when those things shift, so does our opportunity or ability to be happy. So the best place to find happiness is within. Now, from my perspective, we were already happy. Like, as spiritual beings, that's a part of who we really are. Joy is a part of our state of being, along with peace and love. That's who we really are. It's the human experience that has kind of dumbed that down in us and made us look externally for where to get happy. So what I have found in my own experiences, and I've created a four-step process that will be in my Happy to be, Happy to be Me handbook, is about connecting to that anytime, anywhere, no matter what's going on outside of you. So it starts with an internal recognition of who we really are, that we are spiritual beings having a human experience, not just human beings. 
And then it continues once we wake up to that knowledge and what, what all of that means. Then it continues with step two, which is shaking up your ideas, shaking up your beliefs and your values to be in alignment with that truth as opposed to being in um, contradiction of that truth. And then choosing, which is step three, making up the new story of how your life is going to be. What are the things that aren't working for you from your beliefs and values perspective that are creating habits and practices that aren't contributing to your happiness? Those things have to go. You're out of alignment with truth or the truth of who you are. And so you make up a new story about what that's going to be like, make up a new vision for your life, and then you take up the reins and go live it, which is about creating the structure in your life that supports you, whether that's different spiritual practices, my favorite being meditation, which connects us to source energy, helps us get into our hearts and connect with the stillness and peacefulness that is already a part of who we are, and other practices that may support you at living from the place of happiness is a part of who I am. I don't have to go searching for it outside of me. Excellent. Love that um, answer and question. Valerie, did you have a uh, a final question for us? I do. This question comes from Susan, also in California. Susan wanted to know how do you gauge or manage your own happiness? In other words, how do you know when you're unhappy and it is not just a moment of unhappiness? Mm. Great question. It sure is. Uh, Susan, I look for long-standing behaviors. So one of them may be constantly feeling fatigued. Uh, They're going to sound somewhat like depression. Yes, absolutely. um, Somewhat like depression. So Mm -hmm. constant fatigue, chronic fatigue, um, being tearful. Like when it has come up in my life before I did the work that I'm doing now, it was just about anything could trigger me crying and feeling feelings of real sadness, just um, seeing the, the downside of life as more um, powerful than seeing anything that was positive and only connecting to the positivity at a certain level and then going back into yes, but. If every time something good happens, there's a yes, but, and you go to the, the dark side, then there's a signal that you're probably having trouble finding your inner source of happiness. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Okay. Love Great. It. Um, loving, um, really, this exchange. I think it's so much that you've given us on this topic, and I'm looking at these um, eight suggestions and just um, trying to summarize them with regards to, I think, initially starting with the integrating the heart and mind and decision-making, having that positive outlook, really being able to put things in perspective from a sense of prioritizing and not overdoing it with regards to, ah, everything is urgent or important and Loved your being in the now and having that space for gratitude and giving and laughter and lastly creating the happy zone. Valerie, any other resources or suggestions you might have for persons who'd like to find out more on this topic? Sure, I've got a couple. So you can go to my uh, website, createworkplacehappiness.com, www.createworkplacehappiness.com, and there's some, uh, the free tips are there, so you can read the tips on your own. And uh, there are some opportunities to, uh, you can have a free consultation with me. I can help you figure out some things that might be going wrong and how you can quickly um, make a shift. And for the, uh, I think it was Malcolm who asked about um, how to measure. I forgot to mention that you can go to a website called AuthenticHappiness.com. This is the University of Pennsylvania where um, the, they're the, one of the faculty members is the founder of the positive psychology movement. 
and they have some emotion questionnaires there, an authentic happiness inventory and a general happiness inventory, and they're free and downloadable. So you can take a look at some of those, and, and that might give you some support as well. And if you are looking for what is ha- laughter yoga and how might you use that in your organization, you can go to www.laughfit.com. That's all one word, L-A-U-G-H-F-I-T.com, and get some information on how I might be able to help you or incorporate laughter yoga into whatever you have going on in your organization. Wonderful, Valerie. I tell you, you are indeed the um, Sherpa of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dr. G. Yes, we have enjoyed having you share with us. Yeah. We look forward to your book coming out in the spring. And the title of your upcoming book? The Happy to be Me Handbook. And the ME is capitalized, which means it stands for Magnificent Essence as opposed to Mighty Ego. And so the book is about doing that first step of tapping into the truth of who you are and using that as the foundation for creating happiness everywhere you go, no matter what. Great. And Valerie Wright, any closing thoughts from you? Uh, no. I Well, yes. <laughs> Contribution. <laughs> yes, I absolutely love this. I've been reading it and um, checking out her website and um, think that this information and the way it's organized, it can really be powerful for beginning to shift the culture of workplaces so that there is more positive energy and uh, space for employees to begin to look for their own intrinsic happiness and and bring that into the work environment. Excellent. Well, Valerie Wright and Valerie Shepard, I thank both of you for being with us. And, Valerie, I thank you um, for coming on and so freely and givingly um, expressing and sharing uh, this information with us today and also a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we look forward to you having so you back. We'd we'll love to, um, get, you know, go through your book and have you back on to talk about your book a little bit more when it comes out in the spring as well. So, again, thank you to uh, each of you, and thank you also to our listening audience for tuning in. Please join us every Wednesday at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.